genuine question now. Go ahead. When was the last time you experienced decent, not even like exceptional, just decent customer service? Oh, long time ago. I mean, there's no secret formula for it yet. What we do know is that most companies seem to be pretty bad at it. But not you, my friend, not you, listener. Oh, no, you can create an amazing customer service experience when you use the brand new service hub from HubSpot. Yep, this all-new service hub from HubSpot brings customer service and support together in one simple but powerful platform so you can deliver the best experience possible. And of course, it's powered by AI, not Al, AI, meaning your team can automate those tedious tickets from people who've clearly not read your frequently asked questions. Pain in the backside, aren't they? Oh, and by the way, organizations using HubSpot Service Hub are resolving tickets 13 times faster, helping them to close 42% more tickets per day. That means increasing retention by more than 80%. Thank you, people at HubSpot who, who did the maths on that one, because I wouldn't be able to. I love a bit of data. Did you also know, Al, that it consolidates your entire internal knowledge base into one place? So no matter who is working on support, they'll have the answers at their fingertips. I did know that because I wrote that for you. Well, there you have it. Stand out from the crowd and migrate to HubSpot Service Hub today. Visit HubSpot.com slash service and learn how this all-new solution can help you deliver for your customers. Okay. And I mean, just the, the test itself was fairly, <laughs> fairly non-intrusive. Hello and welcome to the Truth, Lies and Workplace Culture podcast. This is episode six. I'm Al. I'm Leanne. And if you're brand new to this, then let's just give you a little bit of background. So, Leanne, who are you and why should people listen to you? My name is Leanne Elliott. I'm a business psychologist and some people may say that's why you should listen to me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that is the case, but what I can tell you is I've been working in people and culture for 15 years uh, and I've helped various businesses scale through people. So if that is something that you're interested in, I will have some of the answers for you. I won't have all of them, but we'll find them out together. Brilliant. And I'm Al. I've run several businesses. I'm also Leanne's husband um, and the co-creator of Oblong, which we'll talk about shortly, um, which is our consultancy. Um, but uh, I've run several businesses. And so basically, I'm here to keep us on track. So if you're listening and thinking, well, I don't really know much about um, the subject we're going to be talking about today or business psychology, don't worry, I've got your back. I will be pushing my wife to use real world terms <laughs> and not techno science mumbo jumbo talking of which what are we talking about today so today we are talking about psychometrics psychometric testing or psychometric inventories they use in business are they brilliant or are they bullshit <laughs> great great title we haven't yet decided at this point whether we're going to bleep out that uh, that word we quite like swearing the two of us but we're not quite sure whether whether you do so we'll find out Okay, so let's just start at the very, very beginning. So what are psychometric tests? So my, psychometric, psychometric tests fall into <laughs> two main categories. You either have those that will assess um, general mental ability or IQ or your ability um, in terms of cognitive processing, your intelligence, or there are psychometric tests that measure personality. Then there are others that measure uh, behavior. So rather than personality, they'll measure behavior within that. Um, and then other various little bits and pieces in between, but typically how you think, feel, or behave at work. 
Okay, so so what you've told us what they are, but what are they actually good for? Why would I, as a leader or business owner or manager, why should I care about what about psychometric tests? Mm-hmm. So I think psychometric tests tend to fall into two two places that can be of of use to an organization and if you think about that through the uh the lens of the oblong framework which if you're a regular listener you will know if you're new here the three levels are recruitment engagement and management and they're the three areas we feel you need to focus on to build a great culture and a team that cares as much about your business as you do um so if we look at those three levels psychometrics are useful in terms of recruitment they can give you insights into an individual that may be difficult to generate through other recruitment methods um, from a predictability perspective and we've talked about this on the podcast before um there is a certain percentage of work performance that is predicted um, by either a general mental ability, which is actually the biggest predictor of performance in work, um, which I think was about, was it about 50, 60%? Um, maybe it's lower than that, actually. But it was it's the highest. And then we have um, personality that comes in at around about 10 to 15%. And a few of the psychometrics, such as integrity tests that fall somewhere in between. So they can be predictive of work performance from a recruitment perspective. The second area we'd look at using psychometrics is within team development or culture development, particularly at a leadership level, having uh, an understanding of of self-awareness of yourself, an understanding of how your team think and feel about you. If we're looking at 360 psychometric um, can be really useful. Um, and as just giving yourself insights and that understanding of, of, of self-awareness can be really useful in developing your your leadership team in line with the values and culture of your business. And in turn, that is going to have a positive impact on the performance engage- and engagement of your team. Okay, so we talk about predictors there. Let's talk in real world words. What you mean is if you're, rec- this is, tell me if, if this is what you mean. <laughs> so what you mean is that if you are recruiting for a particular role, then rather than just saying, oh, yeah, he's got a good CV, she's she was good at interview, yeah, we'll give him a go. What you're saying is that doing a psychometric test could predict how good they would be in that role. Yes. Okay. And then when you're talking about existing team members, then what you're talking about is that psychometrics would help people to communicate better or is it was it more than that? It it's it's that as well as other things, and I think we'll we'll probably touch on this uh, in a little while. The the kind of the art of of psychometrics or the science of psychometrics, both is to understand the problem and pick the right tool for you. But I think as a starting point, psychometrics, particularly if we look at personality, can be a brilliant way um, to really understand uh, more about yourself, give you that common language to to talk about, um, and really just understand how you can interact a, as a team. So to demonstrate this, I've actually put Al through the Myers-Briggs type indicator, Mm. which you have probably heard of. It is one of the most popular uh, psychometrics out there that uh, looks at personality types. It's used by loads of Fortune 100 companies. So we've we've taken Al through that and I'm going to go through now some of his feedback to see how he feels about it, if it resonates. Uh, We've not gone through this before, so it's going to be real reactions. Um, And let me just see how you respond to it, Al. Perhaps we can have a demonstration might might help our listeners um understand what where we're coming from okay and i mean just the the (laughs) test itself was fairly (laughs) fairly non-intrusive um it was like four or five questions wasn't it you had to say whether you're a or b 
We did a very short version. Right. The Myers-Briggs, actual Myers-Briggs is actually 100 questions, Ooh. which is quite intensive. So we did a lot more scaled down version, but it gives us a, a really good idea of what you're likely to fall into. Um, but let's see, let's find out. Perhaps it's, it's not as accurate as we think. Okay. So what, what, how do we do this? So your, uh, so Myers-Briggs looks at personality from a type perspective. So there's two main schools of thought in psychology when it comes to understanding and measuring personality. One is type. Uh, so basically you are put in, in a box. There are only so many personality types in the world and you are one of them. The second school of thought is traits. That's when there are multiple different um traits of personality and each person will measure somewhere on that continuum um, so to give you an example if you are uh, using a type based personality inventory you will be extrovert or introvert if you're using a trait based um, personality inventory you will have a score that lands somewhere on a scale between introvert and extrovert got it understood <laughs> So Myers-Briggs is a type-based personality inventory. So you are ENFP, a campaigner. Mm. You are extroverted, intuitive, feeling and prospecting. You embrace big ideas. Actions that reflect a sense of hope and goodwill towards others. You're vibrant. You've got energy. People just want to be around you. Um What's really an important strength of yours is you're massively adaptable. You're willing to try anything once. Um, you're very flexible. You're able to adjust quickly, effectively. Um, and one of your your biggest things associated with your personality is your intelligence. You're typically highly intelligent or this personality type is typically highly intelligent. You love to learn and you can always be entrusted to innovate um, and come up with new ideas. In terms of workplace habits, uh, chances are that you are a great manager, you're empath empathic, you're collaborative, you love bringing others into decisions uh, and teamwork is absolutely central for you. Wow. Well, that sounds pretty good. How the hell can we know all that from just four, six, eight, even a hundred questions? Yeah. And also something I noticed in there was that even when it said the weaknesses, it still, it still prefaced it with something like, because of your intelligence, there's this, mm -hmm. you know, these weaknesses. So I can't imagine anyone getting, getting, if all the reports are like this, I can't imagine you're getting a report and going, I don't like this. No, absolutely not. And I think what is particularly impressive about Myers-Briggs is it is complete bullshit. <laughs> I just read to you, I was in your feedback flipping between your personality type as defined by Myers-Briggs mm -hmm. and what it means to be a Gemini, your star sign. Wow. Wow. So half of what you said there came from my horoscope. Yep. Wow. So what we're saying, if I'm right, because I have another question follow up on this, but what we're saying is that essentially Myers-Briggs, well, horoscopes split us into 12 different types of people mm -hmm. and tell us that a 12th of the world will experience something very generic today. Oh, you'll probably have a uh, have something you have to overcome, but then you'll have some good news. Mm -hmm. And then what you're saying is that Myers-Briggs just goes an extra four and turns it into 16 different types of people and then tries to generalize. Yes. And the thing about, I don't know much about cos, is cosmology. What is it? Cos 
Yeah, that glass. Sure, why not? I don't know a lot about it, but I think it is based on some kind of of bullshit. No, like like the Earth and stars and how they move, and right. <clears throat> you know, there's some kind of science ish suede of science in that. Um, there is zero science or psychology behind Myers Briggs. There is no. It's not based on any formal psychology whatsoever and bearing in mind that this is a tool that was developed in like the early 20th century like early 1900s um by a mom and, and daughter no respect to mom and daughters but they weren't psychologists that's all i'm mm. saying so tell me then I think we've just we've just basically identified that Myers Briggs is probably not going to be your psychometric test of no, choice. No, no, it's not. But I think what it has just demonstrated is that you have to be really, really careful when selecting a psychometric tool, and particularly if you're going to make big business decisions on the outcome of these psychometric tools, such as a hiring decision or a promotion decision. The reality is that particularly in what we call self-report psychometrics, so where I as an individual ask questions about how I perceive my personality, my behavior, my strengths, the result of that isn't going to be surprising because it's my assessment of me. So I'm going to connect with things that I've I've said about myself, but in a similar way, as you said, then, you know, any nice thing that somebody says about you, you're going to try and find a way to, to connect with. Um, so it's really making sure that if you are using this data and that's what it is, what a psychometric should be generating data to make big, big business, business decisions, you really need to be confident this data is, is reliable. That it's actually telling you what it's meant to be. Brilliant. So in that case, then, when I am, so I don't know whether you've just answered that fully, but let me ask it explicitly. No, not that kind of explicitly. <laughs> Explicit <laughs> question. What should I think about when I'm choosing the test? And is it the same test that I would choose for recruitment as I would for engagement? Um, It's, it's probably unusual that we'd use psychometrics in engagement very often. Um, that in itself is a separate separate thing we'll probably use psychometrics to dig deeper into aspects of engagement perhaps right. um probably talking more about using um generally speaking psychometrics in either recruitment or development there are tools that you can use in both recruitment and development there are tools that you should only use in recruitment there are tools that you should only use in development the first question I always I always say to people when they, they talk about psychometrics and start to identify potential tools to use is actually, first of all, define your objective. What is it you actually want to achieve or what data do you want to generate? What insights do you want to have by either yourself or your employees taking this psychometric? Because until you really understand the objective and the outcomes and how you're then going to apply that data within your business, either in terms of recruitment decisions or development decisions, it's impossible to, to pick a tool. So that's the first thing to, to really think about is your objective. In terms of then if you have an objective to, I mean, recruitment's probably the, the simplest objective to to think through really um, in that you want to gather different insights into an individual to understand how likely they are to perform well 
in the role. In that scenario, then there are some really, really robust um, psychometrics that you can use um, in terms of the type of role you're recruiting for, the type of level you're recruiting for. So again, it's understanding not only that I want to use psychometrics in my recruitment process, but what is the role I'm recruiting for? What does this person need to have? And how does psychometrics help me assess that? Okay, so there's there's a lot of there's a lot there. So for the person who's like, do you know what? I just want to know which should I use. So how do I know when there's a between a good one and a bad one like Myers Briggs? Can you give someone give us a little bit of advice on someone who's looking to recruit? And they just want to know, look, just narrow it down to two or three for me so I can choose. Yeah. So if we're looking at recruitment, I think if you're looking at non-leadership roles, um, then a, uh, one of the most reliable um, and valid psychometrics out there is the OPQ32. Now, by valid, I catchy mean... Name. <laughs> I know it. They all have really catchy names. That's why things like Myers-Briggs do so well, because it's catchy. People can remember it. Uh, but in terms of validity, I mean that it is actually measuring what it's meant to measure. Um, by reliability, I mean that if I was to repeat this test, I'd likely, highly likely, get the same or a very similar result. Um, so a good psychometric is going to have high reliability and high validity. On a side note of that as well... Test publishers, which are the, basically the providers of the psychometrics, a good test publisher is going to have information available to you on the reliability and validity of all the tools that they offer. If they have no information, run. If they have some information they've generated themselves, great, read into it, scrutinize it. But the gold standard is when you find a provider who actually releases the data they collect on people undertaking their their assessments and give it to third parties to validate and understand the reliability. Those are the people that, that we want to trust in and we know are really, really good providers and have good solid psychometrics. So SHL is one of those testing um, test publishers. And in terms of recruitment, the OPQ32 is great. Um, if we're talking about leadership recruitment, there are two that I would recommend. One is a real world leader by the real world group. Huge amounts of research that go into that. And that's also a more behavior type psychometric, which is fantastic for, for people at a leadership level where behavior is really the most important things we need to measure in terms of how good they're going to be in their role. Um, and the second is the Hogan Development Survey. So this completely flips psychometrics on the head. So Hogan Development Survey actually measures subclinical personality traits or personality traits that if they continue on this continuum, so it's a trait-based um inventory if it continues on this uh, continuum it could actually be very destructive so we're looking at actually things that will border on then a psychological clinical psychological condition such as um uh psych being a psychopath or sociopath um that type of thing so it really looks at the dark side of personality um, and looks at leaders who may exhibit some of these traits that may be at risk of uh, at some point particularly under pressure um being more destructive within the workplace when i first met you about 15 years ago you were doing a dissertation weren't you for your uh, masters yeah um and i think you were using the hogan thing yeah yeah, because you told me all kinds of um, great stories about pilots and surgeons and how they're bordering socio psychopaths. What are they? Sociopaths, yeah. So the 
So my, I mean, if, if, if you're interested, if you're not, stop and pick up in about two minutes. But my uh, my dissertation was on dark side, um, the relationship between dark side personality traits and work performance, with the argument being that rather than to select out um, in a recruitment process, what we're doing, we're removing candidates who are, who are exhibiting these dark side personality traits. We actually use them to select in for particular um, high risk um, professions where actually being a borderline sociopath uh, may actually be beneficial. So, for example, pilots who regularly have hundreds of people um, in their in their hands, their safety in their hands, uh, bomb disposal units, particular um specific roles within the army um, could actually be better to have people who do exhibit uh, these dark side personality traits. I am quickly interrupting this phenomenal podcast to recommend another phenomenal podcast, Nudge. We love Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, a true gent. It is, of course, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. But that is not the only reason we're recommending it, is it, Al? No, it's not. No, we've recommended it to lots of people. If you look at any of our YouTube comments, it won't take you long, there's about 20 of them, <laughs> then you'll see that we recommend Phil uh, to anyone who likes our pod. Well, on Nudge, you're going to learn simple evidence-backed tips. It's going to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, and grow a business. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest growing business podcast. For now. For now, Phil, we're coming for you, buddy. <laughs> if you loved hearing Rory Sutherland from Ogilvy on our show back in episode 83, then Phil's latest episode has Rory on again talking about McDonald's, smoking, and why the pension system is broken. I suppose we should say that actually Rory's been on a couple of times on to nudge. It's not that uh, Phil's seen what we've done and gone, I'll have Rory. So I think it's important yeah, for no, us to Yeah, no, we copied. That. We copied Phil. Anyway, listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. I love it. Love it. I'd love to get see um, House MD do it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. He would be somebody who would, yeah, definitely have a few dark side personality traits in there to make him exceptional at what he does. Whereas Myers-Briggs probably just say that he's a nice guy who makes quick decisions. <laughs> Bold, assertive, confident. <laughs> <laughs> So one of my last questions here is around, well, I've got a couple more. Um, the first one is that, so do, it sounds like not all psychometrics measure the same thing. No. You've mentioned four there, haven't you? Yes. Are there any crossover between the, between the four? So in terms of psychometrics, as I said, one is always going to look at the cognitive processing, so your intelligence, your, your, how you will judge situations, um, kind of your, your thought processes or your, your thinking. The other is more kind of personality or behavior. And that's where there's a big crossover. And there tends to be a lot of focus in that, in that second category on personality. Uh, people seem to feel that understanding people's personalities can be the best way to understand their strengths and how teams work together. The issue with understanding personality, once you get particularly past it, well, once you get into a leadership level, is that personality is fairly stable. <laughs> Unless we go through a very traumatic event or something completely life-changing or indeed a, some kind of brain injury, our personality remains fairly stable over over short periods of time, i.e. the time of a 10-year of like two to four, five years. So the difficulty with understanding someone's personality is that there is a risk of, particularly if it's a self-report, so I've made this judgment about my personality myself, 
um, that it then leads to lack of accountability, lack of responsibility, lack of willingness to change, because I now have this science-based piece of paper that tells me this is the way I am. What can I do about it? I'm not a complete finisher. What can I do about it? And it just breeds this, this sense of potentially this sense of or lack of accountability. Equally, if you have a personality imagery that maybe points out a few weaknesses and I use that word very lightly when talking about personality but in in Al's instance you know about not being being very imaginative and idealistic but that may distract from the execution side of things if you learn that as an individual there is a, a, a phenomenon which I'm sure you've heard of called self-fulfilling prophecy where you take that on and and you you just everything you do and everything you hear that validates that you absorb and it just becomes inevitable that that is the way you will be and the way you'll continue to be um whereas actually if we talk about about particularly leadership level we talk about behaviors rather than personality behaviors can be changed behaviors can be chosen um and that from a development perspective in particular at leadership level is going to be much more valuable uh, than at a personality personality inventory add on to that we were saying before about how psychometrics can predict how well someone performs on a job um personality in terms of leaders only accounts for about five percent of how well they're going to perform on the job uh, whereas behaviors is much 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 higher so to summarize if you were recruiting for someone for oblong then and they were in a non-leadership position what's your which one would you go for shl opq 32 there you go there you go so I have one of my final questions here is around about the um, ethical part of this and GDPR and all this sort of data protection, because it sounds to me like if you're going to take this test, particularly if it's part of a job interview, you're going to be divulging all kinds of things about you. So, I mean, is there a darker side to this? Is it is it ethical to ask these things? Is it legal to ask these things in a job interview? Um, what about GDPR? Do you store the data that you get, or do you do they get the report? What happens? What's what, that sounds like a minefield to me. Yeah, it can be. I mean, to very clearly, is it legal to include psychometrics in your recruitment development? Yes, of course it is. Should these be voluntary for the people undertaking them? Absolutely. If somebody doesn't want to partake in that activity, you shouldn't be putting pressure on them to do so. Understandably, that may, um, you have to really then consider what that means for your recruitment process. It might not be ethical um, to withdraw somebody just on that basis. Um, but in terms of including it in your in your process, absolutely fine. In terms of, I guess, the, the ethics behind it really is, is a couple of things. One, never select out purely on personality. Uh, there's going to be other you know, other tools you can use to give you a, a bigger picture. Um, personality psychometrics should not be used alone to select in or out. Um, general mental ability may be slightly different depending on the role. General mental ability. General mental ability or IQ. Uh, depending on the role, but again, shouldn't really be used. Any psychometric shouldn't be used as a standalone select in or select out method. 
Secondly, your candidates or your employees should absolutely have access to their psychometric reports. If you're wanting, if you're looking at this in development and you're wanting to, to as a manager, look at somebody's psychometric report afterwards, you need their express permission before they fill it in um, or after they've filled it in, um, but making sure that there is, again, no pressure um, and it is done completely transparently. The most important thing with psychometrics as well is making sure that people are supported in the results that they get there may be some things in there that are surprising there may be some things that are triggering there may be some things that it's just hard for the person to either understand or um, digest so I'd always recommend that you offer your candidates or your employees um, a one-to-one with a psychologist or with somebody who is trained in the use of that psychometric to coach them through results and help them understand what it means to them and the positives and the opportunities behind those results lovely stuff okay well well last question then what about i mean we 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 all know them the people who are highly intelligent (laughs) perhaps might know how to manipulate a questionnaire like this so you're going through the i'm going for my dream job for example and i have one of these these surveys these you called them a test no you didn't call them a test indicator was it inventory inventory that was the fancy word um so i go through one of these inventories and i go well i know what they're looking for so I start answering the questions based on what they I think they want rather than actually what I think. Mm-hmm. What, what happens there? Yeah, and it's it's there may be people out there that, that believe they can do that. Um, the reason we call them inventories when we talk about personality or behavior is there's no pass or fail. It's your personality or it's your behavior. It's, you know, it's it's not correct or incorrect in that sense um, when you might talk about an intelligence test Um, in terms of somebody being able to manipulate it again comes down to how robust your psychometric is the more valid or the more validity and reliability your psychometric tool has the less likely it's going to be for somebody to manipulate this um if it's if it's not then potentially people could but for example which is why i kind of have mentioned a couple of times the opq32 in terms of recruitment of non-manager level roles um and you can use it for manager level roles as well um, is that they actually have a scale built into the OPQ, OPQ32 called a social desirability scale. So it'll ask you questions throughout the, the inventory um, along with everything else. And it's actually basically a built-in lie detector test. Um, mm. So people that score high on social desirability are more likely to have answered in a way that either they they they, well, they think you want to hear or that they think that you're looking for in, in terms of the job. So a sophisticated psychometric is going to pick up that. Very nice. Very clever. So is there any question I should have asked or perhaps someone might be thinking listening to this that you could answer? I think the only thing, and I'm sure you're probably getting to the end of this and going, I'm not sure I have a better idea of what psychometric to pick (laughs) now than I did at the beginning. And good, because until you define what your problem is, you shouldn't know what psychometric you want to pick. Um, That's the point. There are so many out there. There are good, there are bad, there are ugly. First of all, understand what it is your objective is, what you want this psychometric to help you achieve within your business, what what decisions is it going to help you make? Once you've figured that out, look for um, psychometrics with high validity, high reliability. Speak to a psychologist. Try and speak to a third party. A test publisher is always going to tell you how great their product is. It's like any business, you know. Someone's always going to tell you how great their ketchup is over somebody else's. That's probably a bad example, actually, the whole ketchup thing. 
Yeah, Heinz is always the best, isn't it? Yeah. But you know what I mean. Whose donuts are better? <laughs> uh, you know, they're selling, so they're, they're going to tell you it's theirs. Do your research, engage a professional. But ultimately, the you know, look for... Um, reliable um task publishers look at resources like the british psychological society um what their recommendations are what they list as in terms of endorsed tools but as a general rule of thumb anyone anything by shl hogan real world group can't really go wrong brilliant there we go Okay, so I think that's going to we'll call it a day on this one. Um, just want to let you know that uh, if you've got any feedback or questions, then email podcast at oblonghq.com. That's oblong, as in rectangle, hq.com. Uh, Is that the, what that means? Well, oblong. <laughs> Um, and um, if you're interested in the roadmap which Leanne uh, alluded to earlier which is where it talks about breaks down all of your entire every problem you could possibly have in leading a team is either down to recruitment engagement or management and so you'll see the that all laid out for you beautifully at oblonghq.com forward slash roadmap um, I think that's it for now. Do you want to talk about these regular monthly um, workshops that we've got planned or should we leave that till next week? Let's leave that till next week. Brilliant. Okay, well, we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.